1: Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
0: It's Scout Fantasy Sports.
2: It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here for the next two hours, taking you up until 4 p.m. Eastern. In our new time slot, weekdays, 2 p.m. Eastern for two hours. We're 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern, weekdays started this week and it will continue for whoever knows how long, but definitely for the immediate future. So that is the time to tune in. Of course, if you can't listen live, no worries. You can always check it out on demand anytime you want as we cover a variety of fantasy sports, helping you win money in many different areas. You can check out all my work, scoutfantasysports.com. I'll have a look at the AJ Pollock signing. Today it should be up. The article was submitted, so we'll look at Pollock going to the Dodgers what it means. I actually want to talk about that a little bit more coming up in a minute uh, based on philosophy and whether you're risk-averse when you're drafting. Uh, So a ton of articles right now getting you set for fantasy baseball. I took a look at Charlie Morton and going to Tampa Bay, what it means for his fantasy value, Yasiel Puig now in Cincinnati, Nelson Cruz going to the Twins, if Jesus Aguiar's breakout was for real last year or if it was a fluke. So, a ton of articles already up as part of our Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit that you can check out. And Sean Childs continues to go through his in-depth team outlooks. We have free samples of the Baltimore Orioles and Boston Red Sox. So, you can see how deep he delves into each team. And the AL East is done. The AL Central's done. And now he's in the AL West. So, uh, in a few more weeks, he'll have all the teams up. So, that's why I suggest you kind of read this day by day because it is a lot to absorb but once you're completely done with it, you're going to feel like an expert in all the teams. And as the free agents are added, they get updated as well. So uh, the Astros and Angels are the two latest teams that have been posted. So we got uh, great content to kind of help you dominate in fantasy baseball as part of our uh, fantasy baseball draft kit, which was really excellent last year. Of course, we have our preseason pro picks that will come out. Uh, late February, early March, looking at sleepers, busts, breakouts, and cash players. Uh, and that's worked out really well. Cody Bellinger has been on that name in the past two years ago. So a lot of good things coming here as part of our uh, fantasy baseball draft kit. You can go and click on it now and see the links of all the work that is to come. And again, there's already a lot out there for January 25th. There's a ton out there and uh, we just want to help you dominate uh, for the upcoming season. And, you know, we got a lot of uh, good content and, and people who have won and done a lot. Sean Childs one of the best high-stakes players around. Uh, so we got you covered there. Uh, so make sure you check it out uh, as soon as you can. Uh, if you use the promo code BATS50, you'll get 50% off your first two months. Of course, ScoutDFS.com. We got you covered for NFL, NHL, PGA, and NBA. And again, NBA. As I've mentioned, you really got to stay focused until lineup block it after. And I feel like I kind of jinxed this. It was like a week ago. I said, you know, it hasn't been that bad for NBA this year compared to recent years. We haven't had a lot of last-minute scratches. And then that day, I think it was like DeMar DeRozan after tip-off. There was another player. And we've had a lot going on over the last week. So I probably shouldn't have said anything, although this is the time of the year. The, the middle towards the end of the year is when you do have a lot of the – Teams that are out of it, scratching players. And uh, last night was one of those nights again. Now, the lineup lock was later, but we did have a lot of news come out late, especially with the Pelicans. I mean, that really changed the slate with Julius Randle being out. Meritich was out. Moore was out. So we had a lot of cheap guys like Darius Miller come into play. Even Alfred Payton finally came through. We've been talking about him for weeks. Uh, You know, Drew Holiday became a great play, and they were able to keep the game close against the Thunder. Uh, that was maybe the concern for Russell Wellsbrook and Paul George, but uh, that's why you need to pay attention to the end, and that's why the Slack chat on scoutdfs.com is crucial. You can ask those questions leading up to lineup block and also the optimizer, which is included. Uh, if you want 50% off your first month for NBA DFS, just use the promo code HOOPS50. That gets you 50% off, and it includes the optimizer, and it updates immediately. You know, As soon as news breaks, you hit refresh, and you'll see. Julius Randle's projection was already taken out and the other Pelicans were boosted up. So make sure you check that out and, you know, you'll see, get the 50% off your first month and you'll see the, you'll win, whether it's double ups, tournaments, you're going to win money, especially over the course of 30 days. You'll easily make your money back probably in the first night. So it's definitely worth it. And then just pile on, increase that bankroll for uh, money to take out or money that you want to add for baseball, whatever it is. So we got you covered again scoutdfs.com, and vegaswhispers.com for your sports betting needs. Lots to get to today on the show. Coming up at 2.20 p.m. Eastern, I'll be joined by Tim McLeod from Prospect 361. I've played at Industry Leagues with him. Good player, so always good to talk to him. He'll be in the upcoming Labor Draft where they announced the picks today. I believe Tim has pick number two. Dr. Roto is in that draft. I think he had pick four after Doc had pick Three in the FSTA draft, which is uh, actually Doc at four in that one as well. And that draft is currently still going on. So when Dr. Roto is back next week, we'll talk to him about his team and his thoughts on how he built it. At 3 p.m. Eastern, I'll be joined by Steve Gardner. Uh, He was also in the FSTA draft. He wasn't there, but he partnered with Howard Kamen as part of the USA Today sports team. He had the number two pick. So we will talk to him uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern. A lot of NBA news as well that we'll get to. But I want to kick it off talking a little bit about A.J. Pollock. Because in terms of taking risk in your fantasy drafts. Because I think there are a lot of people who are not going to take A.J. Pollock. They just want no part of him. Because, and this happens in all sports. People are very scared to take players that have injury risk or a history of injuries. And I understand it. It makes sense. You know, we all know that at some point you're going to be hit with injuries. It happens... To everybody, Uh, even when you think, oh, this guy's so durable, I can count on him play every year, an injury can occur. There are very few guys where you you don't see them go on the DL, especially in the sport of baseball where it's a long season, six months plus spring training, and 162 games. So for me, a guy like A.J. Pollock, it comes down to your draft philosophy. I'm willing to take a little bit more risk, not in the first few rounds. Obviously you want stability with your first few picks as much as possible, but I'll take a chance on, on a guy like Pollock. I did it last year and I'm trying to, re- I don't remember how many leagues I had him. My- I know I had him in the great fantasy baseball invitational, which is, you know, an industry league. There's high stakes players in it some some uh, people in the industry. And uh, I was a 15 team league that I did last year and I was able to win my league. I took AJ Pollock in the fifth round of that draft. So even though Pollock, did not play the entire season, I was still able to win it. Of course, you need a lot of the other picks to hit. So my point is that just because you take a guy like A.J. Pollock does not mean that it's going to ruin your team. And I think that's where a lot of it gets lost. You, the middle rounds to the late round picks are really key. I mean, that's where you got to hit on a couple of guys that really exceed expectations. Uh, you know, And in that draft, I had a lot of guys that hit, You know, getting Trevor Bauer later on. I mean, a guy pitched like an ace. You know Trevor Bauer, and I had Jacob DeGrom in round three. I mean, so that's a great tandem. Uh, my guys up top, for the most part, performed and stayed healthy. So it's a combination of factors. So I took Pollock in that league, and it looked good early on. People forget, before that injury where Pollock got hurt diving for a ball, Pollock was on pace, uh, and obviously it's a small sample, and it was just to begin the year. But when Pollock started the year last year in his first 40 games, he had 11 homers. 33 RBIs and 9 steals before the broken thumb. And I know people are saying, well, we knew he was going to get hurt. He always does. Okay. One of these years, it's possible he plays 150 games again. Would you be surprised by that? No. Uh, And a lot of the injuries have been kind of fluke: Sliding into home plate and tearing his elbow. Uh, Making a diving catch, hurting his thumb. Of course, you had the soft tissue injury with the groin. But... I think there's a lot of people who are just automatically going to cross Pollock off the list. I would not do that. There are very few guys in baseball capable of going 20-20. Pollock is still capable of doing that. We saw him run last year. He didn't run as much when he came back. And the numbers were down when he came back from that thumb injury. And we know that. When you're coming off a thumb injury, usually it does kind of sap power. And in his last 263 at-bats, he only hit 236 uh, slash on of 236, 297, 407, 10 homers, 32 ribbies, four steals, and 263 at bats. So, you know, he's going to go to LA now and likely hit leadoff. So that could hurt the RBIs a little bit. And as I mentioned, maybe they sit him a little bit because they have a lot of depth in the outfield, depending on if they make a trade of Jock Peterson or Alex Verdugo. But, you know, Pollock's generally going in like the. Ninth, 10th round, eight, no, seven, anywhere from round 7 and 9. And as I, I said previously, now that he signed with the team, you kind of have to wait a week and then sort ADP by the previous week because I think this will boost Pollock up a little bit. We saw in the FSTA that he went in round 7, and that was before he signed with the Dodgers. I've seen him go later. I think in one of my NFBC draft champions, he went last pick of round 9. That was a draft that started about a week, week and a half ago. So... I understand it at that point. People are not sure where he's going to go. And going to the Dodgers, is there's some positives and there's some negatives, obviously. Uh, I mentioned that the park for L.A. was 11th in home runs last year. It was 26th in runs. It's not as good for right-handed power. But, again, uh, we saw Pollock increase uh, his power last year. It seemed like he was striking out a little bit more, swinging at more pitches. To, to boost the power and his numbers were better at home with the humidor, but he's familiar with the division. So it comes down to draft philosophy. And for me, uh, I'm going to still take a chance on Pollock, especially round seven, round eight, because if he does play 140, 150 games, as unlikely as many people think that will be, you know, he, he can return top three round value if he's healthy, you know, and these guys... Will be down the draft board. The same thing with Justin Turner. Justin Turner can flat out hit. He's excellent when he's on the field. But yes, he's you know older. And the injuries are a factor. But you know that's a guy you get in round nine. Uh, Michael Brantley was an example last year. People didn't want Michael Brantley with the injuries he had. And he was even cheaper. I mean, it didn't really cost you much at all. And he had a real good year. So we've seen it throughout. The guys who are injury prone are going to be pushed down the draft board. Now Pollock. We're paying a little bit more of a high price tag compared to the guys that I mentioned. But the upside is still there. And you, know, you can still have success. I think there was another league I took, Pollock, in round five. Didn't win that league, but I was like two points out of first. So you could say, well, if you had Pollock for two more weeks and if he could have stayed healthy a little longer, maybe you win that league because the categories were tight. And that's true. But the point is, taking this guy in the fifth round of two competitive 15-team leagues last year I was first and just out of first. So that one player is not going to ruin your season. Really, the key is the middle to late rounds. It really is. If you can find a couple of gems that that that, that emerge late. You know, a guy like Blake Snell last year, you saw where he's going. Now where's he going? Jamison Tyon, someone I took in Tout Wars last year, uh, didn't win it, finished second. I was tied uh, on that Friday going in to the final weekend. and. Uh, Tyon was a, a big part of my sec- success, and I got him in the double digit rounds. I got Garrett Cole last year in round seven. I was really high on him. Thought going to Houston was a big boost. Now he goes in round two. So that's the key. You got to find these guys in the rounds 10 to 20, and of course, you know, off the waiver wire, but that's really the key. And you could still take a guy like Pollock in round seven, and he's not going to crush you. Speaking of a guy who crushed you last year, Byron Buxton. And it was a story out on The Athletic. Talking about Buxton adding a ton of muscle. And you're going to hear a lot of these stories now. Especially as we get into spring training. And the guy's in the greatest shape of his life. He did this. He did that. And a lot of times it doesn't amount to something. And sometimes it does. I think the the thing I took away from the Buxton story is. you know, He was really upset about not being called back up to the Twins. And when he was rehabbing. They just never called him up. Triple A season ended. And they never called him up. And part of that was service time. But... We know Buxton is very talented. We have seen glimpses at the major league level. See, Buxton was really hyped last year. And I I wanted a piece of Buxton. But, man, people were paying such a high price tag. He was going for a lot in the auctions. He was going in the third round of drafts. And I couldn't do it at that point. So, we barely saw him play last year. He only had 94 at-bats. He didn't homer. He had 156. He had a ton of injuries. So, um, you know, he doesn't have the greatest plate skills. But the talent is there. Now, it's going to be a key year to see... How he performs. Uh, we did see him get 16 homers, 29 steals two years ago with a 253 average. So, another guy that's capable of giving you a ton of steals and with some power. Now, I like the fact that he's pissed off and he's working really hard in the offseason, five hours a day in the rate room, uh, 90 minutes hitting, and they're saying he's real committed. Now, it has to translate to the field, of course. But this is a player that is cheap and I'm afraid his price might rise a little bit. I did take him in a current draft I'm in, uh, 15-team league. I think it was around 10 or 11. And, again, that's where I'm going to take a shot on a player that has immense talent and has had some success at the major league level. And it was just a disastrous season last year. Like, everything went wrong, uh, a myriad of injuries. He came back, got hurt in rehab. It was just a nightmare for him. And going to be interesting to see how he rebounds. I'm, uh, well, I think we're going to see his price rise. I think people are going to get excited, and there's always someone in every league that maybe believes in Buxton more than you do. And one of the key things to doing drafts early is maybe you get these players a little bit cheaper. I've always mentioned this, especially in fantasy football where we talk best ball drafts. You're going to get players at a discount. So Byron Buxton in the draft that I took him was the second-to-last pick of round 11. And as the fourth outfielder on this team... Yeah, you're going to take a shot. Now, Buxton could be a huge difference maker and potentially win the league, or he can be a flat-out bust, and maybe he's just not that good, and he can't live up to the high expectations that he has had. But that's where I'm going to take a shot, round 11. He's not really a key core of my team. You'll see a lot of picks in round 11 don't pan out, but this is a guy that's capable of 15, 20 homers, 25, 30 steals I like. Some of the things the Twins have done adding Nelson Cruz to the lineup. So right now, Buxton is not costing you much. uh, And this is all based on talent and pedigree. But uh, the one, I did take some positives away from that story. You got to be careful. There's going to be all these fluff pieces and you just have to really be concerned, but we know buxton has the talent he was highly regarded as one of the top prospects and yes the community at large can be wrong but round 11 round 12 in a 15 team league definitely going to take a shot on him there's some other stories coming out on baseball that we'll get to a little bit later on but when we return i'm going to be joined by tim mcleod of prospect 361 we'll talk some baseball with him when we return it's scout fantasy sports here on the fantasy sports radio network calling the shots hall of famer goose gossett what was your reaction to mo being the first unanimous election
0: i think it's part has to do with the job the way that it's been minimized the body of work that i did is not the same body of work that mo did and i'm not minimizing what mo did. mo deserves to be in the hall of fame now you've got to say then that he's the greatest pitcher of all time how come all these great starters didn't get a hundred percent weekdays 8 p.m to 11 p.m eastern on the fantasy sports network and on your popular podcast providers
2: my? It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern covering baseball, some NBA DFS as well. You can check out all my work, scoutfantasysports.com, as we have our Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit rolling out in-depth team outlooks from Sean Childs, one of the best high-stakes players around. I'm taking a look at a lot of players and their new destinations and what it means for their fantasy value. Just posted an article on AJ Pollock and his value now that he's with the Dodgers. Joining me now to talk some more baseball, it is Tim McLeod, Prospect 361. Tim, what's going on? Hey, Adam. Uh, Just
0: trying to survive winter and counting down the days till spring training right around the corner.
2: Yeah, the games will be here before we know it, and certainly we want to see that warm weather. I'm sure it's real cold by you. It's been cold here on the East Coast as well. Uh, Some days last week were... Felt like it was uh, negative degrees with the wind chill.
0: Yeah, we we managed to hit minus uh, 42 the other night. So, yeah, she's been chilly.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. But hopefully the talk of baseball will warm things up. Uh, let's kick it off. And well, what's been your strategy so far in early drafts when it comes to starting pitching? We're seeing it starting to move up draft boards, especially in the industry leagues. It usually goes pretty high in the NFBC. But are you with a strategy that you want to get at least one or two arms in the first four rounds, or do you feel like you can still wait and get some good pitching later on?
0: Well, I think what I'm seeing this year is I'm probably going to go with at least one ace in the first three rounds, Adam. Uh, uh, When you start looking at the strikeout numbers, uh, once you get past that elite group at the top, it falls off pretty quick, and I think it's fairly important that you get at least one, 200 plus strike out guys so that means going early
2: I don't know how many drafts you have done so far but have you I I think most people are going to say they either want the first or the second pick uh if you agree with that you could say so but have you figured out like the best spot to draft yet do you find a spot that you say you know what to me this has been the best one of all the drafts I've done so far
0: yeah, I, I agree with you, Adam. I've I've done three or four uh, real drafts, and we've got labor coming up in a couple weeks. And I like I like one and two. Uh, I I really do. You can you can get a power speed guy, and coming back into the turn, you're looking at a, a top tier pitcher and a really solid bat. So uh, I'm a big fan of the early spots this year so far.
2: Yeah, and I think that's what most people would agree if they have the option to choose. They're definitely taking the top two, where it's pretty much Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. I have seen Betts go one in some leagues, but we're seeing Trout for the most part go uh, in that top spot. I think after yep. that, when you go to three, I mean, there's a variety of players I've seen go three. If you had the third pick and Trout and Betts are off the board, who do you prefer at number three overall? Yeah,
0: there's, there's a slew of options in there. Uh, up until uh, about the middle of August, I probably would have said Jose Ramirez, but I really didn't like that September. Um for me, I'd probably go with one of uh, Ronald Acuna or Trey Turner. Uh, both are going to give you give you power. Both are going to give you stolen bases, and stolen bases do start to dry up a little bit. So those five category guys hold a fair bit of weight for me, Adam.
2: Yeah, a lot of people are very excited about Acuna. We can understand why. We saw what he did last year. He's mashed at every level. Even coming up to the majors, he mashed. I think there are still a contingent of people out there that go, well, he hasn't done it long enough. I need to see him prove it more. Why do you feel that's not the case with Acuna?
0: Well, you you look at the pedigree. You look at everything that he has done. Uh, I don't have any any concerns about his skills, and I don't buy into sophomore slumps. I I really don't. Uh, The kid's got a world of talent. One of the best players in the game, and uh, I think he's going to follow through on that great rookie campaign.
2: Joined by Tim McLeod, you can find him, Prospect361. It feels like there's a lot of talent in the first round, and you feel good about almost any pick, but there has to be a player or two that concerns you that you see consistently going in the first round. Who would that guy be uh, that you're worried about that you see consistently going in the first round? Uh, The guy that concerns me the most is probably
0: Jose Altuve. He's going towards the back of the first round, Adam, and... Uh, you know, when, when you look at Houston and you look at the way their team is constructed, do they want Jose they running? And a lot of his value is, is tied into those stolen bases. And I don't think the Astros are going to have him running wild on the base pass. So I'm, I'm very concerned with the drop-off in the power and the stolen bases. And he's probably going to be one player I'll be avoiding in the first round.
2: I agree. I, I know and he was a player that I... Didn't love year after year, and he always proved me wrong. But he's not an elite power hitter. I don't even know if we could count on 20 home runs. Your point about right. the speed is absolutely correct. If he's not getting you 30 steals, I mean, he really gets hurt. Yeah, the average is great, and it gives you a high floor. But that's the problem. If he's not running, and we know he was hurt by the knee injury last year. I mean, that's why the numbers mm-hmm. were effective. But if he's not getting you that speed, you know, where where's the elite? outside of batting average, and I don't want to pay just for mostly batting average in a first-round pick. No, I, I don't either, so uh, we're on the same page with that one, my friend. Uh, how about J.D. Martinez? I feel like he's getting pushed down the draft board because people are so cognizant of getting stolen bases in their first-round pick, and I understand. I mean, of course, you want to try and get a five-category guy if you can't. We know J.D. Martinez is really not going to run I think He had like five steals last year. But he is so good in the four other categories. And we saw him go in the FSTA at pick number 11. I I think that is such a steal. I mean, what is the concern of J.D. Martinez outside of the lack of stolen bases? Uh, He still gives you elite production in four categories. Yeah, I don't think there's any
0: concerns. I I think it's simply a fact that people want to try and get that five-category talent. And... I think it's not so much as pushing J.D. down for any reason. It's just pushing other players that are a little bit more desirable up. And I like J.D. Martinez. Uh, You know, you you look at the four categories. uh, I don't have any problems taking him and Nolan Arenado in in that same group. But, again, it's just a case that uh, he doesn't bring that speed aspect. And I think that's driving him down. No fault of his own. That's just who he is.
2: Uh Miguel Cabrera, obviously coming off an injury plague season, we know that, that the guy can hit, but health is a real concern right now. Of course, he's falling down draft boards. Do you like where Cabrera is going because uh, he doesn't cost you much, or are you just concerned that the health is a major factor going forward?
0: Yeah, I've seen him going anywhere from round ten to round fourteen, somewhere in that range, At, I mean uh, I think at that at that stage of the draft, it's it's worth the risk. But again, you just have to you just have to when you're building your team realize that you know he's getting older, he's dealt with a pile of injuries, some personal issues, and I don't think you can pencil him in for anything heading into this year. He could be a bargain around round 11 At the same point in time, you could get get what you saw last year.
2: Yeah, definitely a wild card there. You're just not sure with him. Uh, In a similar fashion, even though he goes higher as Josh Donaldson, now he goes to Atlanta. We saw him go in the sixth round of the FSTA draft. Is that a spot where you're willing to invest in Donaldson or the injuries, something that's going to prevent you from taking him this year?
0: I think I'm going to be passing. And, you know, when you start looking at the fifth, sixth round, one of the things that's become very apparent to me early on is that especially in 15-team leagues, Adam, is that the outfield thins out very, very quickly. You've got plenty of options, I believe, at third base. So in and about where Donaldson's going, I'm probably going to be targeting a second or a third outfielder because I just feel more comfortable being that there's, there's definitely a lack of depth in, in that particular position. I'll go outfield before I'll go Donaldson. I think it fills feels needs better.
2: It's funny that you bring that up because in years past, like I have started many drafts with three straight outfielders. Now, I don't, I didn't do it as much last year because I was trying to get a pitcher in the first three rounds. But everyone Mm kind of thinks, oh, yeah, outfield's deep. You got to start five. And in a 15 team league with all the platoons, they it thins out really quickly, but no one seems to really pay attention. They're so busy looking at the other positions. You know, people say shortstop, shortstop is deep this year, in my opinion. Like, so I, I, outfield does thin out quicker than people think. Yeah, if you wait on your outfield, uh, it's it's going to get ugly quickly. And, you know, all you
0: have to do is take a quick look at uh, the Cleveland Indians outfield, the Detroit Tigers. There's three or four teams that are really lacking and thin on outfield. You need 75 in a 15-team league. You take two, three teams uh, with shaky outfields, and before you know it, uh, you know, the Giants are another one. You know, the, the pool starts to get a little short. I want to have two outfielders by the time I'm through five
2: rounds. What are the Indians doing? They have excellent starting pitchers. They didn't pick up the option for Michael Brantley, let him go, coming off a good year. And you mentioned their outfield. I mean, right now we're looking at Leonis Martin, Greg Allen, Tyler Naquin. They have Ramirez and Lindor in their prime. What is this team doing? I have no
0: idea, Adam. I really don't. You know, they've got those two big infielders. They're okay at first. Uh, I have no idea. You know, Jason Kipnis is okay at second base, but man, they've got a horrible outfield. They've got to find some way to upgrade at least one, if not two, of those positions before yeah, we thinking- get to the All Star break.
2: Yeah, I was discussing with someone the other day because we were like, oh, Adam Jones is still out there. I'm like, Cleveland. I don't know. That's not the first team that came to mind because they did it outfield. Not that he's what he was, but he's better than what they have. Well, definitely. Have you looked at the Giants outfield?
0: I dare anybody to name me two of the three starters there this year. It, it's ugly. It really is.
2: Yeah, and, of course, there's still some free agents to sign, including the big ones. So, hopefully, we get some of that coming soon. I'm joined by Tim McLeod, prospect Three Sixty One. Are any of the catchers worth paying up for? We know it's a scarce position. Do you even consider taking the guys at to the top, or you think it's just not worth it because of the cost that it is to acquire them? Well, you take a look at the number one catcher, Adam, and that's Real Muto, okay?
0: He was low 20s in the power, 70-some-odd RBIs. He didn't run last year. He's your number one option. Am I going to play the game of taking him in the fifth round over a bat that could be uh, – Thirty ninety 90 with 5-10 to 10 stolen bases? No, I'm not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be leaving the top-tier catchers uh, alone this year, and I'm going to work towards uh, some of the middle guys that I, I think have some upside potential.
2: Uh, how about Herman Marquez? I mean, this is a guy pitching in Coors Field. He went in the eighth round of the FSTA. Now, I took him last year in a draft Champions League, like, uh, like round 28, and someone laughed at me. And I wanted to, at the end of the year, say, oh, so how's this pick now? Not that I thought he was going to be that great. We know how mm-hmm. tough it is in cores, but we saw several guys in cores have decent years. But are you on board taking Marquez there, or do you still say, it's Coors Field, and he could have two or three really bad outings at home that can ruin his season? I've been a guy that has had John Gray the last couple of years. It hasn't been fun. Yeah, I'm
0: staying away from Rocky starters. Uh You know, I'm going to have to see more than more than one year, because as you said, all it takes is one or two bad starts and it'll totally destroy your ratios. And uh, it's just not for me. Uh, I think there are other options, you know, like, hey, last year when you take them in round 28, there's no cost associated with that. Now you're starting to pay a bit for these guys and I'm just not willing to pay the price.
2: Yeah, it's real interesting to see how Marquez fares this year because he did have a, a stretch there in the final two months where he was really, really good. So yep. uh, I'm interested to see how he rebounds this year. Uh, you know, a name that people don't really talk about much, but if you look at the numbers the last couple of years, they've been pretty good. Now, his value is rising. He went in the fifth round of the FSA. That's Eugenio Suarez. Are you a believer in Suarez? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think
0: you can pencil Suarez in for 30-90 and uh this year it looks like he's going to have a little bit more support uh, in Cincinnati. Hopefully we start to see some of the kids moving up too. Sensel Winker. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm still bullish on Suarez. He's on he's on my list at third base.
2: Are you uh, bullish on Steven Strasburg? I got to say like I've kind of been optimistic on him, you know, every year. I'm done. Like, we've seen this pattern now. And i it's funny because I was just talking about how A.J. Pollock. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll take him still in the seventh, eighth round because what if he plays 150? But with Strasburg, I mean, it's every year. He's only pitched 200 innings one time. People are still taking him in the third, fourth round. I'm out at that price. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'm totally out. Uh, if somebody takes him in the third round, that's going to create an opportunity for me, for somebody I like in the fourth, fifth. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just can't uh, invest in a pitcher. His velocity was down towards the end of the year. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he was throwing a very, very high number of I'll call them junk junk ball pitches. But the fastball velocity was definitely down. You can't count on more than you know 140 innings or so. So when you start looking at third, fourth round, what's the difference between right now, Rich Hill, in the 12th, 13th round, or Steven Strasburg?
2: Just more blisters. That's all. Exactly. <laughs> oh, you know, it's, when you break it down like that, people will say, oh, that's crazy comparison." But realistically, yes, Rich Hill's a lot older, but maybe Strasburg pitches what twenty more innings. Is it really worth that cost? No. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I've been burned by Strasburg enough. So, uh, not going to go with him. Uh, Trevor Bauer is someone I owned in a lot of leagues last year. You know, I had written mm-hmm. that you know he could go two hundred innings, two hundred Ks, and you know, people were kind of surprised by that because before last year, he never had an ERA below four. But I think we kind of all saw the skills there, and he broke out in a big way. So it's one big season for Bauer, and he's going, you know, as one of the top pitchers in round three. Do you buy into Bauer in that spot? Was last year enough to say, yes, I can get him? As yeah, my it definitely. Yeah,
0: it definitely was for me. Adam, I started buying. I started buying him towards September of the prior year. I saw what he did in the second half, and I bought him in all my keeper leagues, and I owned him in virtually every league last year. And uh, I'm convinced that uh, Trevor Bauer is a top, top 15, 20 pitcher, and I have no reservations at all about buying in early this year.
2: None. Yeah, now now I have I have to find the Trevor Bauer of this year, so I'm working on that because that, he really helped me. So uh, I got to find that guy uh definitely Glaber Torres going in round four uh is this the right price or is this the Yankee hype and he's overvalued
0: uh again you're looking at a position that's fairly deep Adam so I, I I'm not saying it's not the right price but again when you look at in the fourth fifth round are you better off looking at other options you know you can fill that middle infield position in several rounds later and do very well um, I owned Torres in a lot of leagues last year. I drafted him late. I reaped the rewards, but I didn't pay a price for him. This year, I think I'm going to pass on that price. And again, focus on probably an outfielder and go a little bit later on shortstop.
2: Real quickly, as we're running out of time, I know you follow the Japanese leagues closely. Who should we be keeping an eye on that's coming over this year? Uh, the one player that's, uh, that's come over this year is, uh,
0: kikuchi you see kikuchi in seattle um i do have some concerns because seattle has said they're going to limit the workload and let's face it seattle's in a rebuilding mode uh quality start leagues i'd knock them down a little bit because i don't think they're going to work them hard and if you want a really deep sleeper arizona signed a kid out of korea merrill kelly uh he went over to korea could barely hit 90 came back hitting 95 uh good off-speed stuff. So if you're looking at a really late-round gamble, give Merrill uh, Kelly in Arizona a look, Adam.
2: All right. That is Tim McLeod. You can find him at Prospect361. Tim, thanks a lot for the time, and uh, good luck in labor. Thanks,
0: Adam. Be well, my friend.
2: All right, when we return, we'll talk a little bit more baseball, some off-season news on Carlos Correa and Matt Boyd. We'll get into that next here on Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: The Morning After. I played basketball basically about 16 hours a day, Corey, for about three or four months in Los Angeles. That's not real basketball. Real basketball played on blacktops black tops in New York City. Yeah, I know. That's the real I basketball. Know, I see all the championships and basketball come from New York City. Even like Master Square Garden, like James Hurtz and all the Mecca of basketball. When was it the Mecca of basketball? New York City is the Mecca of basketball. And New York City's head. It is.
0: Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes
2: and body cleansing needs. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Our new time spot weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. Of course, you can hear it on demand anytime you want. And you can find me on Twitter at Adam Ronis. And my work at ScoutFantasySports.com is we're getting you set to dominate the fantasy baseball season. In-depth team outlooks from Sean Childs, one of the top high-stakes players around. He's an NFBC Hall of Fame. Uh, his latest one is a look at the Los Angeles Angels. He also has a look at the Houston Astros uh, as he's already completed the AL East. The AL Central now working his way to the AL West before hitting the National League. My latest article is a look at A.J. Pollock and his value with the Dodgers. Should you be drafting them? You can read that, find out, as well as a look at Charlie Morton with Tampa Bay, Nelson Cruz in Minnesota, Yasiel Puig in the trade, on and on and on. Tons of content. So get started now. Don't wait till February. Don't wait till March. Hop in now, read this, ask your questions on the message boards and forums. If you use the promo code BATS50, you get 50% off your first two months. So don't pass on that. Don't wait. Sign up today. The DailyRoto.com partnership with Data Golf is back for 2019 with all-new premium fantasy golf and betting tools. Check out the all-new lineup optimizer with custom settings and advanced grouping, customizable projections for FanDuel and DraftKings, ownership projections, PGA finish probabilities and simulator, outright and top 20 market betting tools, head-to-head and three-ball betting tools, PGA pro tip, subscriber chat, and more. Just go to DailyRoto.com. Click on Go Premium, choose Golf, and enter promo code Golf nineteen for a ten percent discount. That's DailyRotor.com. Click on Go Premium, click on Golf, and enter promo code Golf nineteen for a ten percent discount. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll have Steve Gardner from USA Today discussing his FSTA draft, and I had mentioned it yesterday. And you know, he did something that I really liked in terms of roster composition and the way you build a team, and I think that's something that a lot of people uh, don't get right. They just blindly pick players and sometimes go off a list, and that's not the way to do so. We'll talk to him about his draft coming up. We'll get to some NBA DFS later on, as well as we have a pretty good slate and already some players ruled out, so it's always good to get these the news early in the day. Joe's got to be prepared because uh, something can always occur, and uh, big news of the day, uh, Nikola Jokic suspended one game. Uh, he left the bench during an altercation the other night, uh, so he didn't come off the bench that far, came on a few steps, but that was enough to uh, get him suspended, so we'll let you know the impact of that and what it means for your NBA roster construction tonight. That's coming up a little bit later on, but I wanted to talk about uh, some of the other news that we're seeing kind of come out here. Uh, in baseball, that's Carlos Correa. He told reporters yesterday that his back is in perfect condition. Uh, he had a lot of injuries last year, which really hurt his numbers. Uh, he had the back injury. He had an oblique injury. So really was tough for him last year, uh, putting up the numbers. He's only 24 years old, and he's kind of been a disappointment so far in fantasy circles. He came up in 2015 and absolutely crushed. And I've always warned people about this. When these players come up, for the small sample, just be careful of prorating those numbers the following season. And that's exactly what happened. 2015, he came up. He played at 99 games, batted 279 with 22 homers, 60 ribbies, and 14 steals. So what did everybody do? Well, if he plays 160 games, he's going to hit 35 homers, driving 100, and steal 30. Doesn't work like that. And obviously, the next year, the numbers went down. I mean, he played in 54 more games hit two less home runs, stole one less base. It was a decent year, but not what you expected. So in 2017, of course, he had some more injuries. And again, it was a good year when he played. He batted 315 with 24 homers, 84 RBIs, 82 runs, and two steals. So you can understand why people are excited last year. He was basically someone that went on the turn. I think I had him in one league, whereas I had the 15th pick, and I went 15-16, and I took Correa with one of them. Uh, and, obviously, he disappointed because he couldn't stay on the field. Uh, only 110 games. He only hit 239 as well. Uh, the strikeout rate was, you know, a little bit higher than we're accustomed to seeing. 15 homers and 65 RBIs for Correa. But I think if you watch Correa play, you can tell this guy can hit. Uh, and I think the injuries definitely were a factor last year. I mean, his hard hit rate was the lowest of his career in his brief career because, remember, he's only 24 years old. was only at 28.8%. So that's one of the things that I've always said about players playing through injury that sometimes you want to see them go on the DL just to, to rest up, come back 100%. Because when they try and play through these injuries, that it affects their numbers. And I think you saw it last year with Correa because it hurt his numbers overall. Now, the key is here is that now you can probably get him at a discount. The question, though, is if he's not going to steal bases, is he as valuable as we think? So that's my, my biggest issue with him. Is he going to take this big jump? Is he going to become this thirty one ten 10 guy? Now, we know it's a good lineup. So if he can stay healthy, the counting stats can be there. Uh, his average has kind of been all over the place as well. Uh, and again, last year, part of it was just not hitting the ball hard and the power was down. So I think he has the ability to, to put up big numbers. Just don't want to overpay for him now. He is pretty cheap at this point. I mean, fourth round. I definitely will take a shot, depending on what I have uh, at at that point in the draft. So we saw in the FSTA, we saw him go in round four. Uh, The latest draft that I'm doing, a draft Champions League, he also went uh, in round four in that one as well. So you are getting him a little bit cheaper. But as we mentioned, too, shortstop is deep this year. A lot deeper than people think. It is not a shallow position, even with several players going in the first few rounds. You can get some pretty good shortstop in the later part of the draft. So that's why I really don't worry about that position. Like, I can wait on it, uh, and you could still get some some good players late. But Correa certainly has a lot of upside and a great skill set, and we'll see if he's able to stay healthy and, and run again. And that that's going to be one of the things, because he showed in the minor leagues he could steal bases, and we saw it early on in his career with uh, 27 steals. In his first two seasons, he was 27 steals and he got caught seven times. And now we've seen him barely run. Now is that the injuries last year, probably with the back and the oblique? But what about the year before? Uh, and it could be you know a Houston thing because you know hitting in the middle of the lineup and with the bats that they have, you know, do you really want him running that much, especially when he's hitting third or fourth? So that would really boost his value if he could somehow get to 10 to 15 steals. But I don't see how you can project that. Based on what he's done the last couple of years, and probably going to hit fourth in this lineup. Uh, not much of a need to do it, although they do have guys there that can steal some bases uh, in a row. I mean, all these guys are capable. You know, we know Springer's capable, but he doesn't run much as well. And with that offense, sometimes you you don't want the risk of those guys getting thrown out and styming a rally. So that is part of it. Another guy that we're hearing about uh, with some offseason change is Matt Boyd. Uh, he has lost 15 pounds pounds this off He's had a health and performance coach uh, to get leaner and uh, changed his diet uh, and eating healthy and uh, said he thought he was eating healthy but really wasn't. And I think that that's the case for a lot of people. I know it's been the case for me. I'm like, oh, it's not been that bad. And then you see the results. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe uh, it is, and you got to change some things. So, you know, Boyd was a guy that I took in a lot of leagues last year. Took him late in drafts, uh, and he was pretty good. You know, obviously on a bad Detroit team so 9 and 13 but he pitched 170 innings uh the ERA of 4.39 wasn't great but not a killer in today's environment you obviously would like better uh what he really was good at was whip 1.16 uh and the strikeouts went up from years past it not a leap but 22.4% strikeout percentage he allowed a lot of fly balls though and that led to a lot of home runs and he was hit pretty hard but Uh, if he can make a couple of adjustments, you know, he's not a guy that throws very hard. His velocity actually went down last year, but he doesn't really cost much. So uh, obviously the team context is not great there in Detroit, but definitely someone that I would uh, keep an eye on in the later rounds of drafts. Uh, Another thing that I wanted to talk about was the stolen bases, because it's been a big topic and we've talked about it with a couple of guests over the last few days. And you can hear people, especially when they're analyzing their drafts, they're real cognizant, of getting the steals early. And you're seeing it. Look at this draft that I'm in right now. Okay. And look at all these picks. Mike Trout goes one. Not surprising, right? He gives you steals. And everything else. Mookie Betts goes two. Not surprising. Across the board, the steals are there too. Jose Ramirez goes three. And I know that it was touched upon. Uh, Tim McCloud mentioned that he had Ramirez three. But... The August and September concern him. He was really bad down the stretch. There's no question about it. But overall, it's been two good years now. He gives you stolen bases. Ronald Acuna goes four. He gives you stolen bases. Christian Yelich goes five. He gives you stolen bases. Now, again, these are not picks just based solely on the stolen bases, but these are guys that really could help across the board. But you're seeing the need to get stolen bases early in the minds of a lot of drafters. Max Scherzer goes six. Francisco Lindor goes 7. Uh, I would take him at 3. And uh, this is another exa- example of how if you're picking your your spot or you think you're going to get someone in a certain area, you can't be so sure. We've seen Lindor go 3. Here he goes to 7. Uh, and and I, I would really love Lindor at 7. 25 years old. He was 38-25 last year, 33-15 the year before. You're getting double-digit steals you're getting an average in the 270s, 280s. It's now two years of 30-plus home runs. Even hitting the leadoff, he still had the 92 ribbies uh, at times, uh, you know, hit other spots in the order, but probably going to hit leadoff the way this team is built right now depending on what they do. But we've seen the power building. So Lindor is definitely a guy I would love at three. Get him at seven is great. But that's another guy that's getting you speed. At eight, Trey Turner. So that's where you have to make that decision with a guy like J.D. Martinez. I think in other years, you would see J.D. Martinez go three or four, but people are just so aware of getting the stolen bases with that first-round pick that the guys like Martinez and Arenado are falling down draft boards, and J.D.'s just a stud, man. So, uh, yeah, you're not going to get the speed, but look what he did last year. 111 runs, 43 homers, 130 RBIs. Two straight years of at least 43 home runs. The team context is great there in Boston. uh, And bat at 330. Now, I don't think we expect 330 again, but he's a 300 hitter. And he's been doing it pretty much every year since he changed that swing after the Astros let him go. One of the few mistakes Astros have made in recent years. But you see Martinez fall to nine. Then Bregman goes Ted. We know he can steal bases. So, it's pushing guys like J.D. Martinez and Nolan Arenado down the draft board. I mean, Nolan Arenado in this draft went thirteen, And... And it's pushing guys up that, that get speed on the turn, fifteen turn, sixteen picks, buys in story, more guys that steal stolen that steal bases. So you're seeing a lot of these guys pushed up the draft board as people are focusing on getting those stolen bases early. But what I like to do, and I've said this numerous times, and it's easier, I guess, to say than do, and it also depends on who you get in the first round. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to get Mookie Betts in the first round of a couple drafts last year. But remember, he was going in the middle rounds. So I think at Tal Wars, I got him at 10. Uh, the Fantasy Baseball Invitational, I think I got him at 8 or 9. So this year, that's not going to be the case. But I, I just like to pile up the steals if possible. I just don't want to overpay. Do I want the guys that I mentioned in the first round? Sure. I love Trout's Betts, Yellich, Acuna, Lindor. I love all those guys. But there's going to be a scenario where you might not get them. So, What you want to try and do is just kind of piece it together little by little. And I'll give you an example of that in a draft that I did. So, uh, one of my picks was Bryce Harper. Definitely a wild card. You know, the thing is, he's going to, he's falling in the second round now. So, I'm more willing to do that. I'm still kind of mixed on him just because we've seen him all over the place. We don't know where he's going to play. But he does have the ability to steal bases. You know, he had 13 steals last year. He had 21 two years ago. Obviously, he didn't run much in 2017. But, Give me 10 to 15. Certainly possible. So right there, okay, you have some steals. Uh, Next pick was Cody Bellinger. And Bellinger is a guy that disappointed last year after the great year. But he had 14 stolen bases last year. So he's going to run a little bit. So right there, potentially 30 stolen bases. Later on, got Will Myers. Uh, We know Will Myers is going to run, obviously. He's got to stay healthy. That's been a problem for him. But you're not paying a high price. Uh, Myers had 13 steals last year and only 312 at-bats. Two previous years, 28 and 20. So, pencil in 15 to 20. You see that they're already adding up. Then later on, as I mentioned, Byron Buxton. That's a wild card. You know, that could be five and he gets sent down. Or it could be 30, 35, maybe more. So, that that's going to be the real wild card. But, again, you're not overpaying for them. Am I going to be first in the category? No. Ah, uh, Willie Adamas was another one that I got later on as well in this draft. So that's what I try and do It's just kind of if I pile them up uh, and piece it together. You know, Adamas maybe get you ten to fifteen steals, so they all add up. Is it going to put you first in the category? No, but you don't need to win every category, and it's also not forcing me to sacrifice severely uh, in the early rounds, as you'll see teams do. Uh, getting a Malik Smith. I mean, Malik Smith went in round seven of the FSTA draft. You're not getting power. You're not getting RBIs. And, you know, runs are a question mark, too. And I I don't know if it's the same, but we saw this last year, late in the year, with a guy like Delano DeShields. And people were paying a high price for him to get those steals, and it didn't work out. And I'm not saying it's going to be the same thing, but it kind of – is reminiscent of what happened. And I just don't want to be in a position there where I'm pay- overpaying for that one stolen base guy that's, you know, doesn't really help in other categories. And, you know, I'll figure it out. And it's also different too in leagues with trades and waiver wire pickups. Of course, you can always trade for speed. Uh If you're playing in a high stakes league like the NFBC, obviously you have to be more cognizant there and become more aware of what you're doing. You know, Malik Smith did have 40 steals last year and 480 at-bats, but two homers and 40 RBIs, and the average was, was good at 296, but, man, the two homers and 40 RBIs is just too much for me to sacrifice just for that stolen bases. You know, I feel like I'll kind of always figure it out somehow along the way. just feels like it's a high price to pay. You know, maybe a little bit later on, getting a guy like Amai Rosario. We saw him steal quite a bit in the second half, and he won't be as pricey You know, uh, Aaron Hicks, a guy you can get later on that can contribute. That's a guy that I had on a lot of leagues last year. So I think you kind of want to just piece it together if possible. I just don't want to overpay. I've never paid for the D Gordons, the Billy Hamiltons. Their price is a little bit cheaper this year, but it really hurts you. I mean, look, look what it did. People who drafted Billy Hamilton and D Gordon last year early, it derailed your team and it's just not the ideal way to set up. So, Don't overpay for these guys that are pretty much relying on speed because if they have an injury, whether it's a hamstring, a groin, or something, and they can't run, what good are they to you? So you just want to try and avoid these one-category guys as much as possible. I just don't think it's conducive for success. You can look back and say, well, you, you were wrong. He stole 60 bases. Okay, it worked out for you, but there's a lot of risk. To me, there's more things that can go wrong that can go right when you take those players that just contribute in steals and you just you'll never see a team that i have like that unless the guy is really cheap it's different and i did take the shields in a couple leagues last year like round 13 round 14 and obviously it didn't work out i didn't pay a high price tag but at that point i said okay i really need speed but these guys with the lack of steals are going way higher now you're talking rounds five six seven and eight to me It's just not worth it. When we return, we'll be joined by Steve Gardner from USA Today Sports. We'll talk about his FSTA draft. When we return, it is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.